I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. I remember that for 100 years they have sent their armies to destroy us. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight, this is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Kyleman and Jim Murnier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-Yard Fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kyleman kicking things off, as always, here as we're getting into episode 117 here of any of the Inside the Walls podcast. NAL Game Day Week 14 edition. Two marquee matchups on the docket. Plenty of discussion pieces here. Uh, one repeat matchup from the previous week. One that will start a two-game stretch between these two teams and continue what has been a very fascinating and growing birth of a rivalry between these two NAL squads. And we'll dive into all that and much more as we kick things off. Let me bring in my co-host and good partner and friend on the opposite side of the screen, Jim Mernier, into the show. Jim, good to have you on here. Uh, we got even more on deck. I mean, had an excellent conversation with Herky Walls on this one that, you know, let's just say was a little it was close close in timing but we got it done um and it was you guys will love it later on in the show seriously a fantastic conversation glad to have him on how how are how are you doing this week i understand you have uh made a decision on if you will be in orlando or not what what are you going to be doing for the weekend i will be in orlando um for the game this weekend so Orlando fans, if you're there and you want to see myself, I know I'm the main. I am the main event. I know. Um, I'll, I'll be with a bunch of short no, fans. No course. game going on. Just no go game. sign autographs with Jim. And, yes, I'll do it. You know, like I'll, I'll, I'll sign babies and footballs. You just, you know, I'm running for office. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, I got to start my campaign. But no, really, uh, I'm going to be in Orlando this weekend uh, for, for Orlando uh, just Saturday. Uh, to watch a pivotal matchup and the pivotal rivalry between two teams that don't like each other, their history. Uh, both teams have some deep history from back in the AFL days uh, where Jacksonville ruined some Orlando seasons and Orlando ruined some Jacksonville seasons. That's what a real rivalry is, and these two teams are. And right now, both teams are the currently two hottest teams in the league. One team's going in a five-game winning streak. The other, a three-game winning streak. One has a potential of getting into the playoffs this weekend, which is kind of strange with the win they're in. That's Orlando. And yep. if they do lose, they get some help out west, they clinch anyways. Uh, this, so they have a chance where they can lose and still get in, and they can win. They're definitely in. So very impactful game um, for Jacksonville, a win. And they are sole possession of first place. Well, tied with San Antonio, but they'll have the tiebreakers at number one. But if certain things fall away, if Carolina loses this week, San Antonio clinches a pivotal home playoff game come when the NL playoffs start here in about four weeks. So week 14 is here. 
Um, hashtag still here. So get that trending. Uh, I know that it's it's making its ways around uh, because our our loyal followers. I really, well, I just want to say to our followers, you know, you made in the community, Zach. When your followers are fighting your battles, you don't have yeah, to would, say anything. I would think that to put it in it, just to put it there, so we don't elaborate further. Yes, uh, yes. I think that was uh, very much a. Uh, a very respectable move by some uh, to do that. You didn't have to do that. Uh, appreciate that. And uh, hey, NAL strong, baby. We're still here. That's I think that's the message to end the season moving forward. Is you know what? It's been a year, but we're still still charging on forward. I see good things ahead. I see a championship game coming up in less than a month. So I'm loving it. I think you are too. Mm-hmm. I'm and all no, for we're that. not. And we're not going to play the theme song of that song, by the way. No. I'm loving it. No. <laughs> I, I, I am. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, my gosh. Well, as with every game day show, we kind of want to recap some of the uh, some of the accolades given out as, of course, every week goes on. And want to discuss, of course, where the polls are between the coaches and the media. Let's dive in first to the awards, kick things off, as you'll see a common trend. Uh, the Preds getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of the real estate, as you could tell. Mm-hmm. Darius Prince, Freddie Booth, Lloyd, Caleb Walls, all very much deserving in their accolades for what it is. Darius Prince with incredible offensive performance and was the driving force for the Preds on offense, the main target for Danny Southwick. Freddie Booth, Lloyd. I mean, how much do we talk about his very much his first half contributions that really I think were a key portion of why the Gunslingers fell behind by three possessions. And then mm-hmm. his dominance in the second half, when things were looking a bit dicey, kind of coming a little closer, he got some key pressures and a sack or two in the second half as well. Caleb Walls, pick six, touchdowns himself, you name it, he deserves it. And then Kevin Didio Weber becoming a pretty normal name. This is three straight special teams awards this man's gotten. And Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, but you counted up the total. That's uh, five for him mm-hmm. this season. So, uh, it's like Booker T. Someone's grabbing some hardware. <laughs> you know how Booker T does his, like, he calls his five-time champion. Diva Weber is doing, I've won that award five times, five times. So, yeah, that's a, that's a great that's a great achievement by him. And he's had an excellent season. He leads the league in deuces. He leads the league in field goal kicks because he's, like, the only ones kicking field goals. Um, but, well, TC did, did one and Barnos did recently, but – he, Weber's having a hell of a year. It's kind of nice because I did meet the guy uh, in a local establishment here in Jacksonville for Shark Bites. Met him. Had a great conversation. I, I, I'm i glad he's doing well out there in West Texas. So and That guy's kept him in a lot of games out there, so he's having a heck of a season. So five times, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, they lean, I mean, they lean on him for deuces. They lean on him for field goals. Really, I mean – Far and beyond, West Texas take, kicks the most field goals in the NAL. Don't even need to count the stats. You just know, given you watch games, they still stick to getting points as needed or getting them when they can. And he's been showing out. Very impressive effort for them. Really uh, one of the bright spots on that roster um, this season. One of the most consistent pieces on this roster this year, and deservedly so. But, yeah, you can tell. Um, voters definitely 
it was it was a Preds week. I think that that statement win against the Gunslingers at home, um, a lot of key performances. These three, I think, especially were the three that that sent things the way that Orlando needed them to go mm-hmm. in the jungle. So very much well deserved and recognizing of that contest and uh, how well these guys played. Which hey, you know anything is possible. I know that the wards will be maybe a little bit different. It is the Sharks going to be playing this week? It's going to be, you know, Cobras and you never know what happened with the Cobras and West Texas again. We'll see how that goes. Malik maybe has another 10, maybe has another 10 touchdown ma- magical game at Hector Coliseum waiting on his belt. I'm not sure, but Hey, I don't know if we'll see the same massive sweep like this, but you never know. <laughs> it doesn't always happen like that. That's all I'm telling you. No. Oh, and the performance out in Orlando last week, you had a couple of guys on that team that can have rewards right now as well. Uh, but that one side of the fair that was in the first half was, I think, the determining factor of all the guys who won it, especially Darius Prince. He went off this past week. And Freddie Booth Lloyd has had a hell of a year all year long. And getting an award is good recognition for this week. Uh, he did earn his place on a certain Poll this week too, uh, so yeah, Fred Buffaloy deserves the credit, and, and and he needs to keep doing that this week because this week's test is going to be even tougher uh, against a a team that's chomping at the bit at the one seed right now. Right. Uh, so hey, and Orlando Jacksonville, it's a big time rivalry in the NAL and in the history of the game. So. Usually in big rivalry games, your studs are the ones that shine. Big-time players make big plays in big-time games. And now we're going to see it this weekend. Top two pass rushers in the league, too, according to stat statistics. Freddie mm-hmm. Booth Lloyd and Sha'Kai Holinos both hitting double-digit sacks in the last few weeks. Uh, Freddie, obviously having a monster game, put him above that total. Yeah. He leads the league with 11 sacks, according to statisticians of the NAL. Um, and that's according to what's been written on paper. We understand some discrepancies so but this this one he's been at the top of his game all year so uh and you don't have to worry about any team switches or anything on the website with that one or or so these are that's accurate he's been doing that and it's been multiple seasons now last year he was on the same war path up until he got knocked out towards the end of the year Mm -hmm. and he was on the defensive player of the year listings in the votes i definitely expect his name and holiness to be on those listings for options uh, come nominations and come when those votes come out. Because we are going to start talking about that a little bit more. You know, weeks are winding down. Award season's coming up. Yes. So, we'll be talking a lot more about that. Hey, Malik Henry, 37 touchdowns after this week, too. He's up there with one of the tops in the league right now. Well, there's a couple of guys up there. But before we get break down the games, we do have two polls that came out this week. Well, mm-hmm. the media poll will debut here. And then it will be released on, I think, website around – two o'clock but you'll get here but the coaches poll came out this past week and for our podcast listeners uh number one is the jacksonville sharks number two the carol uh sorry san antonio gunslingers number three the carolina Co- uh, crap the orlando predators number four the go. carolina cobras number five the warbirds stuttering over my own words i do apologize uh and again not a lot of movement predators did go up one in that standings but the media poll I might turn heads. The media poll sharks yeah. are first place with 10 place, 10 point, 10 first place votes. 
Second is the Orlando Predators. They went up two spots. San Antonio is third with 50 points. Carolina is fourth with 49. And the Warbirds are fifth with 30 points. The big move, of course, is the Predators. They lead Gunslingers by two points. But number one is Jacksonville if with 10 first-place votes. So some of the voters were brutal on the Gunslingers this week. Uh, I mean, that's what really is making this so close is uh-huh. that they saw that loss and they they flat out buried them. Now, they, not like what to where Warbirds are at, but they put them down. Like, there are multiple that put them down at four. You know, I'll, uh-huh. I'll admit I, I did too, but it's a slim margin and it's definitely one that I think I more put that vote because now I'm curious what your QB situation is. Um, in particular, and the Cobras, I mean, do you think the Cobras are playing better ball than the Gunslingers right now is the question. So, although, well, and that there's arguments, I think, to both that, I think you can definitely say, well, there's there, it's a six and four Cobras squad that, you know, has lost to mm-hmm. the Preds, has lost some, I think, some lay, some games that may have felt like layups to where they could still be an eight and two squad, but I digress. I think that's what the thought is, is you see that performance, you see the QB issues. I think some voters, not even just myself, but other people besides me kind of went, maybe we penalize them just this week, kind of give them a test, see what happens. We move them back up. Well, how I did my, my voting for this week, uh, Jackson one, San Antonio two, Carolina three, Orlando at four. So basically how the standings is, uh, I look at it to a point where, San Antonio is two still. They're still below Jacksonville. But that performance put them very – I had a very hard time between them and Carolina in my poll. Uh, Carolina, even though they lost a close win in Jacksonville and they lost a close win to Orlando, their win – they didn't win – won by two scores and then went handily over West Texas last week. But they look like over the last couple weeks they've been the better, more complete team. San Antonio is at this phase where they win one, they lose one, win one, lose one. You don't know what type of team you're going to get. And at Orlando is, is, in my point, you could tell by the the voters in the in the poll. They were fourth last week. Now they're second. And that just tells that the voters look at Orlando and go, they see Orlando with three one-sided victories against Albany, against West Texas, and against, no, excuse me, against Albany, the, a close win against Carolina, and then the one-sided win against San Antonio. You look at Orlando, they're playing the hottest football besides Jacksonville at this moment, point in the league. So I think that's how they side with Orlando because of how they have been recently performing. You look at the body of work overall, a lot of fans are like, well, Eight and two is a lot better than four and five. Yes. But if you reduce that to a four weeks period, three and one is better than two and two, and four and oh is better than two and two. So you can you can see where some of these voters are at. And again, San Antonio last week I think had, if I'm correct, it was the closest between Jacksonville and San Antonio in the polls. It was within a few points. It was a few points, and I think it was like six first-place votes to four. 
I think mm-hmm. was or five. Some are like could have been by one different voter. It's the reason why it was flipped. Now all those first place votes went back to Jacksonville. So San Antonio may not think this as a team, but there I guarantee there's a lot of fans behind the scenes that are starting to question this team. Is this team running out of gas? I listened to a podcast earlier this week, and one of the guys mentioned that this team is starting to follow the carbon copy of the Carolina Cobras last year. Kind of. That's not crazy because I didn't bring it up last week, but that's been in my head after we did that show mm-hmm. because it kind of was the deal. You know, you got a hot start. Yeah, you, you had some close, you had some close ones that you cut out, but you were looking pretty snazzy, and then you have. You've had your two losses or to this point. Your losses to this point have been, I think, you know, definitive ones or ones that you have to kind of go through a few struggle buses. Now, credit, we haven't seen any injuries to, like, the QB position, but late season, QB position's in question. Now it's about who's your guy that you're going to ride with. And credit, and keep in mind, they have a bye week. So some of this all depends, gives them an extra week to talk about it yeah. and see who they want. But that's looming. I mean, you have two legitimate options at quarterback. Uh, one that's been there all year, but we can say enough that, you know, turnovers have been a problem, even I think more so than it has been from last season. And then the other experienced vet that is playing at an exceptional level last year, coming towards the end of the season, knows these guys on that roster, mm-hmm. did have his hiccups, but give in mind he's coming off the bench probably doesn't expect to start that night. Who do you run with? Correct. It's late. I mean, it's late season. You're eight and two. So clearly you're still in a very good spot. But again, this is where it becomes more of a, whatever you choose to do now possibly affects where you land come late July. Because mm-hmm. they, they want home field advantage. I mean, I, I think if you're looking at anything, they want to come have a chance to get a win and take a championship over to Freeman Coliseum and play in their house with their cowbell loving fans and company in tow. Mm-hmm. And that comes down to what's going to be made a choice over this bye week and who they're watching play over the weekend, you know, because yeah. I, I bet they're looking closely at that Jackson Orlando game and Orlando just beat just whooped on them. And they're going to go play arguably the other hottest team in the league in Jacksonville and see how that goes. Well, and for San Antonio's, uh, Let's start. Let's talk before we get into the games because San Antonio mm-hmm. still by week. I guarantee a lot of fans are looking at this game and going, "Okay, we're cheering for Orlando. Let's let's let have Orlando beat Jacksonville so we can get home field." Is it almost pick the lesser of two evils? Do you want to play a hot four seed Predators team to go there to San Antonio? Do you, is your pick your poison? Fall to the two and, and play a Carolina team, which you will have back-to-back games with, or be the one and play a four in Orlando, who just took basically took the first half of the game and made their own playground on you guys. Yeah. So even though San Antonio has Carolina back-to-back weeks, one in Carolina, one against one at home. They have to be thinking, oh, we, we're going to cheer for – we got to cheer for Orlando. Even though, yes, the one seed means you have the home game, but the four seed 
could be one of the hottest teams going into the tournament. And that's a four seed you don't want to play usually. And they got they just got Rakeem Cato, and they have an experienced core. They just got Trey Long as well. So Orlando's getting better. They're a four seed where, yeah, we're the one seed. Now we're going to play this four seed. They're not going to be the traditional four seed where they back themselves into the postseason, and that's going to be a 25-point victory for the one seed. Not going to be that type of match. Like this year, I can honestly say right now, four weeks before the playoffs, I will not be surprised if a four seed wins the championship or a three seed this year. All four of these teams are very competitive. They all are fully stacked with rosters. But for San Antonio, you have the week off. Yep. Sit back, relax, get get healthy, watch game film. Don't pay attention to Jacksonville Orlando. I know you guys want to watch that game and critique that game and cheer for Orlando because you want the home seed. But honestly, you need to be paid attention to the game out west with the Carolina Cobras. Only reason why I say you can keep your eyes paying attention to Jacksonville, Orlando, but if Carolina wins and you guys slip up against Carolina, you're not playing home game in, in, in Freeman. You're going to Carolina as the three. So both games are very pivotal for San Antonio. Question is, I think the fans need to don't. I think they're worrying about the wrong game right now. That game might be an issue next week, where they may need Jacksonville to lose. Then they can solidify themselves as a one, and then Orlando might actually be there at the three, so you avoid Orlando, whatever. But I see a lot of San Antonio fans saying, "Well, we got to cheer for the Predators." I'm like, "Don't." There's a saying, "Don't, uh, don't ask, don't get what you want." Was it not? Don't get. You don't want to wish on something to happen because the reward is something that you may not want. Be careful what you wish for. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's about right. Oh, Jesus. I am. uh, uh. That's about right. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're, (laughs) they're, so bad today with that. That that at least they'll get a key by by week. And uh, yeah, by week. Get need a little bit of space. Yeah, Bye week, get healthy. Pick a QB. Mm-hmm. You're good. Go on the road. And you get to sit. You get to sit back, relax, and kind of watch some of the fireworks. And also, I guess. watch the other game, San Antonio fans. You want Carolina to lose? Carolina loses to West Texas. You're not traveling in the first round. You're home against somebody, but you'll be no worse than the two seed. Now, if Carolina wins. That holds up everything this weekend. So, San Antonio, it's been an interesting week for you guys. And I know your fans out there are eager. Again, I know who it's who who do you want to face? That's the time of year where you're a one seed or a two seed. Do you rather play a three or you want to play the four? But honestly, based on the history of the NAL, home teams are 12 and 2 in the first round of the playoffs. So, no, excuse me. Home teams are 13-2 and two overall in the postseason. That's impressive. Yeah. So, home if you're a home team, you're winning 90% of the game. So, you, you want to get a home game. So, yeah. Yep. Well, I think it's about time to jump into those games, shall we? Yes, sir. Let's talk about the teams that actually are playing this week. 
as we're going to dive into a rematch. We talked about it. Rematch of a rematch of a, part two of two. We're all discombobulated tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, part two of two here. Game of the week will be part a part one of or part two of three with a part one of two back to back series that we'll be talking. But first things first, Carolina West Texas this time flipping the script on where we're playing at. We're going to go to Top Gunner's house this time to watch the Cobras play the Warbirds. Um, very familiar foes at this point. Had some uh, very, I think I've said some exciting games, some back and forth contests this season. Uh, to me. Real quick before I hand it to you, Jim, I'm I'm just fully expecting I want at least a bit more development out of what Chris Ware and their offense are able to do. Um, if you're the Cobras, keep up the pressure in terms of dialing it up when it's in the red zone inside the 10, you know, kind of keeping the Warbirds at bay and you're able to go where you want. I also think for Malik Henry, keep stacking up excellent performances like you have been doing last like as of last week get it again build that confidence back up that uh that multiple interception contest against the cobra or preds a few weeks back is in the rearview mirror and you want to keep building it up week over week where you're getting into the right i would say the right mojo at the right time going towards your playoffs and again and towards crucial contests against the sharks that are going to be coming up at the end of the season you know if you want to keep pace and possibly have a chance at Say that one or two seed, although it's more realistically you're trying to at least get to the two. Got to keep pace here. Get your wins down. Keep in your position. That's all you're looking to do. You know, keep executing as needed. You play this team multiple times. James Fuller fully knows what to expect at this point from this Warbirds team, and I think Coach Smith does too. But if I'm Coach Tate Smith, I'm going, guys, we just got to play clean. We got to execute on drives. We can beat these guys. We've done it. We have come close on we've come close on one occasion this year and we were within one possession really realistically this last contest we just couldn't finish drives and allowed the cobras to kind of spread back out the lead in the second half play clean football this could come down to a match for match opponent type of game to where someone's just going to have to have the ball last but really i think more of that pressure to me is on the warbirds because they haven't been able to i think consistently stay in front of themselves and get out of the way of mistakes or missed opportunities. So a lot more pressures on them. I think Coach Smith, if you want to walk away with a win, get a win against a formidable, or a, for, a formidable but familiar foe. Times now, you played them three times. It's hard to be, play be the same team four. Try and get that fourth one for yourself. What's going to suck about this game is when this game kicks off, they will basically know what's going on in Jack and open Orlando. Yeah. It's about an hour and a half difference between kickoffs of uh, the two games. West Texas knows if Orlando wins, they're eliminated. They're, se- they're, they're eliminated from the postseason contention. But West Texas needs to win. This is a must-win for West Texas if they want to have a potential uh, chase down and get into the fourth seed if they make a run. They have to win out, and they need Orlando to lose two of the next three games. And Orlando has, well, they got Jacksonville twice. And, oh, look at there, at West Texas at the last week of the season. So there's still a chance for West Texas to get into the four spot. They need them to go on a run here with a win over Carolina, a win in Jacksonville, and a win 
against the uh, Orlando Predators at the end to get in. So there is a chance for West Texas to get in at the very – basically, have we said Carolina was a couple years ago. I think in 2021 how Carolina backed themselves into the playoffs with Rezanala making all those changes late in the year to get their team into the playoffs. Still, there's a, still a chance for West Texas to do that, but they're on – what a lot of people say on other sports leagues, preview shows, they're under elimination. This is a elimination game for the West Texas Warbirds. It's like that double elimination tournament that you see in college baseball. They're in that 0-1, 0-1 matchup. They lose, their season's over, um, even though they have remained like three more games after that. It's right there. This game, I don't know how – it's very hard to break down the same game that we saw last week. The same teams, really not a lot of massive roster changes between the two. Walter Thomas III did officially sign with West Texas, so that adds a beefier person to the line to help uh, C. Lewis and company. One thing you mentioned about Chris Ware, he had a, he had a good game against Carolina in Carolina. A couple of things in the second half really deterred uh, the comeback. One thing I want to see in West Texas is have that same offensive explosive that you had against Carolina the first meeting that you guys had up in Carolina. Yes, you lost by two points, but I want to see that touching high 40s and keeping them in the low 40 area so we have a close game. And hopefully it comes down to a Weber field goal or possibly a key crucial turn of what we've seen between these two teams and so far this year. West Texas finds a way to get a crucial turnover that tightens this game up. In yeah. all previous three matchups. Now, for Carolina, whatever you did a couple of weeks ago in West Texas, bring that game plan. Because you bring that game plan, the same result's going to happen. Whatever you guys did, I don't know if you ate certain type of Wheaties or you stopped by a hibachi grill that night before. I don't know. But scoring 86 points is ridiculous in the arena game no matter what version of it, 86 points the last time. You do that, Carolina, you put that and get that performance and you win that game, like that fashion, you complete the four-game sweep, which is very hard to do, period. Like we see in the NFL, it's hard for teams to win the two divisional games. It's hard to beat a team twice. It's hard. It's even harder to beat a team three times. It's even three times harder to win it four times, as Carolina last year with Albany. They won the first three regular season matchups, and they lost the biggest game of the four. You might see that here in West Texas. For West Texas, honestly, I think we're going to see a team that's desperate, that wants to keep fighting to keep their season alive. And based on the results in Orlando, they'll know right before their game starts if it is. If Jacksonville is doing Jacksonville things, then West Texas has a chance. Um, But if – Orlando wins, West Texas becomes that team where we have nothing to lose. Let's just cause chaos the rest of the way and see if we can mess up seeding for the top four teams. But overall in this game, I'm going to be looking at two individuals for two teams. And it's usually the same guys I like to watch because I really enjoy watching these guys battle every time they face each other. That's Trayvon Schwartz and Zach Brown. I don't know what these two guys get out of each other. But when they these two guys play in the same game, they had their best performances. And 
It's one of the intriguing matchup, but that's going to be the cop down. I'm not going to do that one. Nope. The one I'm going to look at is the battle that really you never really get to see in other leagues. The battle of kickers. Like I said last week, it's the, true. Kick, the kicker who hits the deuce wins. And Orlando, who hit the deuce last week? Dylan Barnos, who didn't? Pierre, uh, Drew Pearson. This week happens in West Texas. Whoever kicks the deuce, who kicks the, more, the most deuces, wins the game. Not too bad of an assumption assumption there. I definitely think that'll be that'll be crucial. Obviously, uh Weber has been very capable of hitting deuces at the Ecton Ruin Coliseum. Five time champion. Exactly. <laughs> TC the, TC's the, able to as well. It's yes. just uh right he's now we the, got a kicker. He's the defending champion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well we got we got two I mean we got on West Texas, one that's on another level right now. Yes. So, Agreed. you know, it's just, can you match at least a little bit of that production? You know, I, I do think that's an intriguing battle, quite frankly. Um, I think if you're just coach Smith, you just keep hyping up, you know, Hey, defense, you know, we're going to, we're going to need you to get at least an opportunity or two. If you can mm-hmm. find some way to kind of rile up Malik Henry, you know, and get him kind of, kind of in a similar vein that they had with against Orlando, where he's looking like, a little bit off balance, a little off kilter. Things aren't being as processed cleanly. That that would be ideal. But I really do believe it's more coming. More coming that your offensive production just has to be crisp. It just cannot have mistakes. You just got to execute where's needed, and then rely on that. As you've mentioned, that one series that will flip in your favor. That's how you win win games. You got to play perfect. It's hard to say because West Texas they've taken their lumps all year. This, this is a Brand new franchise. They've gotten two wins under their belt at least, but they are the they are the classic expansion team that has taken their lumps and trading paint in their first season in the uh-huh. NAL. So for them, it's just it's hard to ask, but that is really the key. You gotta play a near perfect game. As close perfect. to perfect as possible. Walk off that field with no regrets. I have a saying for you. It's kind of altered to fit the arena game and just say if this is true or not true, that can occur in this game. Death taxes M Smith touchdown return. Does yeah. that happen? Does Adam Smith again, kickoff return in this game? I think that'll be like five straight games. If he does it this game, you think so? Hmm. Oh, over under one and a half. One and a half. I think over. Oh, two. Wow. Mm. But I think you're going to split them, though. I, I don't, uh, you know. Uh, okay. I'll yeah, see. I'm not going to say like if you're talking overall game. I think one each. I don't. I don't think. I'm not thinking like two for one of the teams. But you never know. We've seen it. It's very. Po- it's capable. You just, you know, got to have good return men, which. You know, we saw a couple weeks ago between Orlando, Carolina, between Darius Prince and Adam Smith. <laughs> exactly. There's options. Adam Smith can bring it back. We know that. Anything you can that. do, I can do Gan- better. You know, uh, and you know, guys like Childress and Gandy, they can do it too. Yeah. You know, they got their speed as well. So, I think two. But I, I, I personally believe you're going to hit an over, but you're going to see it where it, it is one per. I don't think, I don't think one team's going to run two of them back. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just my thoughts. But you know, an intriguing question again. Special teams. I think these two teams exemplify it the most. In this league, 
Um, I mean, again, you're talking last year's winner and what is more and more looking like this year's winner of that award coming up here this season. So, uh, you know, should be a fun battle. You know, we don't always talk about kickers that way, but it's the joys of the NAL and the deuce rule, man. It, it, it changes the game. You know, kickers are way more involved than in outdoor football. It either keeps the momentum on the rise or it's a heartbreaker that ruins a team's hope for a game. Mm-hmm. Darn right. Yeah. Darn right. We'll give a prediction for this one in just a moment, but now it's time for the game of the week. The game we've been toting about for a minute now. That is not the game. There it is. <laughs> it's okay. I, I, I still am looking forward to having Carolina and West Texas popped on my screen, but we all know, I think most of us will be definitely looking out for this because it's a part one of two that is coming up in back-to-back weeks. It is Sharks and Preds. This series has been actually very unpredictable in recent years. Um, back and forth, we've seen some, sto- some stolen wins. Orlando getting the last one off of a very clean, productive night from Joseph Hess at the time. Um, However, circumstances completely different, I think, this time around. Remember, that was the last uh, game we saw Connor Blount, and we had Eddie Brill throwing touchdowns at the time. Sam Castronova hasn't played the Preds. Meanwhile, you can argue the Preds have gotten better since that 62-61 to victory and are coming in as arguably the hottest or second-hottest team in the league, depending on how you look at it. I see some fireworks, and I see uh, I see two trains about to collide in, into each other. Only one of them is going to stay on the tracks. Not sure who, but there's a lot of. I think to me, you got two keys here on that one per side that I got to stick to. Orlando, hey, is that defense going to keep showing up the way it is? Mm-hmm. Because you got your best offense. You have the best offense of the season you're going to be playing against right now with those veterans all over the board. That's an all-star defense that's finally tuning in at the right moment. Does it does defense win championships tonight or coming up on Saturday night in the jungle or does Sam keep on going his uh, potential MVP ways? That's that's certainly, I think, your main factor without a doubt. And that's the most fascinating battle of the night. I think on the flip side, though, Sharks defense, no slouch at all. And if they say continue with Danny Southwick, which no confirmation on that, but I would assume you keep that rolling. Do they have enough in the tank to protect him in a capacity that gives him enough time to where he can stand in the pocket and be his good, his good quick trigger self? Or do they get back there and does Shakai Holiness make that night kind of a living hell for the uh, very much veteran, uh, savvy quarterback? This game will be so determined on the line scrimmage like any, like any other football game. But it's, in my opinion... If, if you look at the two quarterbacks in the past, Cato and Southwick against Gibson's type of teams, Gibson likes to disrupt the right the guy right there, defensive tackle center. He wants to win that battle. Southwick, we saw the last couple of weeks, moving around the pocket, putting the ball in the right positions for his receivers to make plays. Perfect. But you also look at what Southwick was doing. He was doing it with a nice offensive line and nice pocket. That may not be the case against the Jacksonville defense, who leads the league in turnovers, points off of turnovers, sacks, and yard uh, for tackles for loss. They lead the league in all those categories. For Cato, if he comes in, 
the two times Cato has played against Jacksonville, he's been pretty well, played pretty good against Jacksonville, but he made a couple bad mistakes, a couple of interceptions. Then the game flipped on the side, and Jacksonville pulled away in both games. This game, it's more of the dogs. Darius Prince, Solomon, Hollis, Wade, Stoshak, C.J. Clarence Williams. Then you look at the backfield. Then you have guys that you look at, Anthony Johnson versus Devin Maxwell. Then you look at the beefy guys in, in, up front. A battle that I would love to see all night. Freddie Booth Lloyd versus Justin Renfro. David Gilbert against Brandon Cisse. You're going to have some mini matches between these two teams. These two teams got great additions from the former Albany or Empire with certain players. Mm-hmm. Darius Prince is starting to find himself, which is scary. Sam Castronova is playing MVP-level style of football, which is scary. This game, throw the 7-2 and 4-5 and record out of the book. These two teams are closer than what their record states. This is going to be an intriguing battle in the jungle. The winning team, Orlando wins. They're in the playoffs. They also win the season series. Jacksonville wins. They get the one, one first place in the, in the conference or in the league and also split the season series 1-1 and taking it back to Jacksonville for game three between these two. These next two weeks are going to be so intriguing, so inter- interesting to watch in the battles. The strategy that you see in this game will be completely different than what you see next week and vice versa. This game is going to come down to three individuals by both teams. And it's not. It's going to be kind of, some people may think it's going to be stupid, but I'm going to tell you. Justin Renfro, Jacksonville, Justin Renfro, yep. Shakai Holiness, David Gilbert. Orlando side, it's going to be kind of, kind of a Darius Prince, Danny Southwick, CJ Williams. Those mm. are the three, three on Jacksonville's defensive line against Orlando's offensive uh, power. Whoever wins that battle, even though they're not facing each other at the run line scrimmage, whoever group is taking the advantage or winning, even early in the game, is the team that's going to win the game at the very end. I think this is going to be the same type of game we've seen in, in week four in Jacksonville. Even Coach Walls even talked about that game. No team's going to pull away in this game. It's going to be possession, possession. The team that gets possibly two defensive stops might be enough to win this game. And also we can, I can be completely wrong and one team can blow out the other team. Like, well, well, it's arena football. It happens sometimes. Uh, so, well, I mean, Hey, you know, that does, that is the case. I think a lot of us are loading this up to be a close one, just uh-huh. given the Preds last two performances. And, you know, I think that that is something to be expected. I think that, if you are watching how the how this two weeks they've they established the QB position they they right. got that lockdown, you know Dan, Danny Southwick, you know we did have question we did we had good thoughts about the signing we were wondering does he come in does he play that veteran role and play more of that like game manager 
And you know what? He's done that. And I think a little bit more Correct. to be honest with you, he's actually performed above and beyond that in these two weeks that he stepped in. So toughest challenge is going to be this one though. I mean, that that Sharks defense is no slouch. It's got playmakers on it, but they got playmakers too. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a fascinating game of cat and mouse that these guys got, you know, and you mentioned, of course, uh, key players being, you know, you're talking guys on the line for the Sharks. I'm telling you right now, Cissé and Freddie Booth Lloyd, I mean, when you're on that opposite side and having to figure out how do you contain Sam Castronova, I mean, that's your toughest, uh, that's your toughest assignment of the year, trying to get back, not only back there, which has been a pretty, pretty, inc- pretty incredible group of linemen that have played there for Jacksonville playing two ways, but you got to find a way to get back and keep him in contained and somehow get him flustered. Mm-hmm. That's the deal. He's been near perfect this year. It's an even, perfect, even yes. better, even better performance QB wise, I would argue than last year's championship run mm-hmm. for in the, with the empire. And so those are things you're gonna have to worry about. Same goes for, you know, Josh Jenkins and, you know, Delvin Randall and company, Dwayne Hollis, you know, great defensive backs. I mean, obviously that's a wall in terms of that secondary, but there will be opportunities because again, the matchups are incredible. I mean, you think, because on the opposite side, you still have Cameron Solomon going against you. You still are going to have Devin Wilson out there at times going against you. Uh, Markel Wade, unfortunately, is out with short-term IR. That was that was an, an unfortunate loss for the season. But nonetheless, you got guys like Stoshak, who's been a grinder all year for them in the receiving course. So fascinating battles across the board. I mean, we really could be in for like one of the better better seasons, if not – I almost could say at least one of these next two games could be an NAL classic game of ones that we look back and go, yeah, that's a, that's a highlight one from the leagues leagues uh, so far history mm-hmm. right now. Cause I mean, it looks good. I mean, your crowd's going to be looking pretty good. I mean, the sharks alone are going to be bringing like what, two, three buses, three, buses, of, I think, three yeah. buses of fans alone. Plus the Preds fans who, you know, they know that if the sharks are coming to town, they're going to pack in Amway. Mm-hmm. It's going to be rowdy in there. And then the next week it'll be just as rowdy, if not rowdier, over in the Shark Tank. So they, the importance of this, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking. I think it'll be a barn burner. I really do think this will be like the highlight. Come down to the wire. You better be watching it like the final minute mark of the quarter to see who has the ball last. Very possibly, and for a rivalry that is this these two, the team that usually wins this game sometimes is not the better team. And that's what makes this a freaking rivalry sometimes. Sometimes right. the best team someone that loses the game. Uh, so, yeah, it's in Amway, uh, Amway Center. Tickets are still available. Let's go get your tickets. I'll be there. Um, so I love that arena. That's a nice arena down in Orlando. It's one of the nicest arenas uh, in, the, in the industry, not just for football, but for everything else. It is gorgeous. And, and it's going to be an entertaining game. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it for this Saturday in Amway. Yeah, definitely get your tickets, guys. Like I said, uh, it should be a great weekend. Of, or like Jim said, there should be a great weekend of action. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they're going to load it up. It's still still a few days out. Actually, tickets are selling pretty nicely so far, just checking off offhand while we're sitting here. Uh, and they still have, as we released the, day, <laughs> the show, it's going to have a full day left mm-hmm. prior to us talking. So you might want to jump in and grab some decent seats while you have the chance. Because uh, trust me, they're it's gonna be a packed one. One of the, probably one of the largest crowds for the NAL season for the Preds, unless they until maybe most likely the playoffs if they trend and continue going that way, or if they have a chance even at getting a home game. That'll be hard, but uh-huh. 
you know, get a win here. You never know. Uh, anyhow, it is time to make some picks. Some hard choices here. It will be, that is, because we have Herky Walls coming up with interviews. See, I do swerves too, Jim. <laughs> They're lame swerves. They're not the same as yours, but uh, swerves nonetheless. Uh, that's fine. I don't mind. Because we do. Because we do have a wonderful conversation with head coach Herky Walls, who joined us today on short notice, mind you. But again, very good to have him have him on. We will get Darius Prince hopefully sooner rather than later next time. Just got a, he's got an illness, but he, you know, I don't think it'll keep him away from the game. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about him playing. I think he's wanting to rest up to make sure he could play in a very crucial first of two meetings with Jacksonville. So. Uh, without further ado, let's uh, jump on, tune in, listen into our conversation with head coach Herky Walls, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Joining today on our latest interview conversation for the Inside the Walls podcast, uh, we're pleased to have another head coach in the NAL under our belt on the show, uh, a historical and very well-accoladed head coach, too, beyond the NAL, in the AFL days, uh, expert return man, expert receiver himself, Fred coach and former player, so doubly the fun there, it is Herky Walls joining us today, Coach really glad to have you on we've been we've been looking forward to try and get you on at sooner rather than later and we're finally able to do it um and at a excellent time i think for the press well, I, and no I, less i, I, I want to thank you and, and and jim for inviting me on this show uh uh, I, I watch you guys. You guys are pretty good, man. Y'all are real oh, good. Thank you. And, and thank y'all so much for everything you're doing for the NAL. This league is growing, and I'm just so honored and blessed to be a part of what's happening now and what's going to happen in the future. Well, we're glad to have you as part of this league. And, I mean, beyond us, uh, Preds fans, you know, even back to when you were announced to be the head coach, it's been just nothing but just ec ecstatic, I think, to have you as part of the Preds far further than past your playing career with them and now getting to move that legacy into the head coaching space as well and how how have things like i like so we did a few i did want to get engaged some interest when we before we jumped on but i mean for, I, I would love to hear again how, how have things been for you i mean again it's, it's been an up and down season but yeah it, here you are I, four and five yeah well we we started off uh i i took over three and nineteen uh and the first thing i had to do was sit down uh, with some coaches uh, that I interviewed and uh, some of them fit in and some of them didn't. And so I finally got a staff together uh, that I felt comfortable with. And the first game we lost. And I was like, whoa, this is not going to work. Uh, and then the second game we lost again. And I said, well, we're going to have to make some changes in the coaches. So we did that. Then we made some changes uh, with some players. Uh, and as you guys know, um, it, it, you got to put some things together. They have to believe in your philosophy, believe in your system. And I got some coaches now that know what I expect. Uh, I, I'm a no-nonsense type of coach. I, I don't use profanity, but I am very stern in the way I, I like to direct my coaches. And uh, they've bought in, and then in return, my players have bought in. And now, uh, some of the games that we lost, uh, there, there was two or three things that we did wrong that we could have won. But you know what? Hats off to the teams that beat us. But this is a totally different uh, team, 
right now, and I look forward to what's about to happen. Coach, this is your first year. You have history from the original AFL and the Ironman game. What's your opinion? Because you play both. You, you coach this one and you play in the previous one. What's the difference between the two brands? Is it evolved or is it similar to what you remember when you well, were a player? I, I think it, it, it has evolved due to the fact of the rules. Uh, these kids are bigger. They're faster. Uh, they're stronger uh, than what we were back in the day. However, uh, the game uh, that I believe was different last, when I played the game was you had only the CFL, the NFL, and arena football. That's all you had. Mm -hmm. What I like about it now is you have all these other, other different leagues and you're getting great talent. And I believe uh, not only the Orlando Predators have some great talent, uh, but uh, of course, uh, Jacksonville has great talent. And, and, and of course, uh, San Antonio, and, and then of course, um, the team up in Carolina. Well, what I think the difference is back in the day, we had more teams where I'm, I'm hoping and praying that the NAL will continue to grow and bring in mm -hmm. more teams because this game, I love the Ironman game. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that, or I'm hoping and looking forward to seeing it grow so that it's, we can get the Ironman game spread out more, than just where we're at right now, you know, I think too, because I mean, it is absolutely, I cannot, I cannot say this enough that I do prefer it. Um, I, I like the arena style that is in the NAL and I really hope we get that grown out with more expansion coming on the horizon that we hopefully will be seeing this off season and in future years um, for, for, for this, for this year in particular. So you're diving in, you get the nets back. I, I imagine you being a former returner, um, that's got to be exciting to see that element back and you can actively watch guys take advantage of it. Or now with the deuce, you have to get the strategy of, I need to have a kicker that can right. take advantage of it and better be accurate down the field. You did get Dylan Barnos back. So that was a great that addition to sign that later on. Yes, sir. So, and I, I have Darius Prince. Yeah. Who's a really good what, yeah he, he's a pretty decent guy. Yeah. He's all right. You know what I mean? No, I'm joking. Just a little bit. Uh, he he is. Uh, when the when the Nets came back, uh, and I came back, or came as a coach, I think it was just the right timing. Uh, the Nets. Uh, I, I'm able to teach uh, the Darius Prince, the Caleb Walls, uh, how to, to return the Nets. I have a great special team coach in Mark Novell who taught me how to return kicks back in the day. Uh, and we, we, we have a, a great uh, opportunity, like you said, uh, I, I call him DD, double deuce. Uh, and then we also have this guy by the name of Darius Prince that we added on to our already explosive receivers. And, of course, Caleb Walls and, 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 and CJ. Uh, CJ is going to be tough. And we have Hollis that came also from Albany. So we, we got a good receiving core and adding a, a Darius Prince uh, only helped us. Coach, how does it feel coaching your son this year? Well, um, I, I coached Caleb uh, when he was in Pop Warner. I, I coached him. I was the uh, wide receiver coach at his high school. Uh, and I took off of coaching 
when he went to college and I was able to be able to drive down and see him play. I'm a minister as well, so it fits mm -hmm. in my schedule. I would preach or I would go to a game and then either fly home and preach or whatever it is I needed to do. But it's, it's, it's different uh, due to the fact of I'm extremely hard on him, uh, but he's used to that but he knows what it takes to go to the next level and and uh but it's fun especially when i see him in the end zone dancing i think that's wonderful because i used to dance and i'm trying to tell him to do a couple of moves but he says dad you're old school and those <laughs> dance moves are out of style <laughs> I, I was gonna say you better have been trying to teach him a few things but yeah. he's, been, he's been getting this groove on hey we last game same deal he, he had a heck of a performance iron man wise too and it's been really sticking out of the crowd especially for given how much more like we, you talk about some of those talents that came over from or in a way unfortunately from albany at yeah, given these yeah. circumstances but right. you know he's been one of the he's been one of the bright spots in this in the original incarnation from the beginning of the season that has kept right. and shown well, out week in and week out i i tell you guys this uh prince walls cj williams uh hollis those guys have really stepped up uh we knew prince was good i mean we we knew that uh and just adding him onto our program, it, it only can help. And we have, I, I think, uh, I think right now, if we can play the way we've been playing in the offense, and as you guys know, we had to find a trigger guy that can pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we got a guy that's almost just as old as me. Uh, I'm 61. He's 41, but he's doing a wonderful job for us. We were able to pick up Cato and Cato, I'm telling y'all right now, that young man can play ball. But the answer to your question, it's fun coaching uh, my son, Caleb. Uh, I'm extremely hard on him, but I'm, I'm hard on all, all the receivers because if I always tell them Herky Walls never drop no balls, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but Speaking about defense, uh, how is it coaching Cisse and uh, the beast himself, Freddie Booth Lloyd, who's having maybe the best year he's had as a player in the NAL? That's a great question. Let me tell you about Cisse first. When I first saw Cisse was up in Albany when we played them up there. And I right. asked my coaches, I asked my coaches, who is that number 91? And I watched his demeanor. I loved, I said, man, I would love to have him on our team. But I just said that under my breath. And then you have Freddie Booth Lloyd, which people have no idea. He needs to be a comedian. If you've never, you just need to sit down and let him talk. He is hilarious. Cissé, I told Cissé is going to be a preacher. Did y'all hear what I just said? He's big. <laughs> Cissé has that demeanor. He's a quiet leader, and he's a beast on the field. I, I, Freddie Booth Lloyd being a comedian, I'm gonna that just I'm gonna have to have him on. What is it with uh, and Jim? I, I only say this because Lonnie Outlaw being on the team. What is it with Preds and having comedic personalities on this squad? I just because we, we Zach, interviewed Lonnie and, and he's Jim, a riot. Zach and Jim, I just got here this year. I don't know where they get them from. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. But they're funny. I mean, we got some funny athletes on team. And Freddie Booth, he has 
that I could be so serious in the in the in the group. I said, everybody bring it up, and I'm like really getting on to them. Freddie Booth would say something, and everybody would just laugh. So I don't know where Orlando get these characters from, but I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. <laughs> Certainly got the characters, got the talent, uh, and not just player-wise. Look, I think uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on like Coach Ware being on this roster as as well. Uh, again, unfortunate circumstances, him being departing from Albany, but is a big gain to your ro- to your roster I, and your I, coaching staff. What, all the same, I tell you what, when I saw Coach Ware uh, up in Albany and they beat us pretty bad. Uh, I think Coach Ware was running the defense. He was running the offense. I think he was doing it all. Well, whenever we found out that we were going to be uh, adding him to to our staff, I said to myself, listen, my job as a head coach is to help coach my coaches. Mm -hmm. And uh, with EJ, my defensive coordinator, with Ware, my offensive coordinator, with uh, Coach Novell, my special team coach, I want to know what can I do as a head coach to help you be better. Uh, they they report to me. I know uh, we talk about game plans. We talk about strategies. We talk about uh, different mismatches uh, with our receivers, with their DBs, uh, with their receivers, our DBs, and it's it's a communication thing where uh, where doesn't have the pressure that he had up in Albany trying to do it all. He has coaches like myself uh, and EJ and Marcus and uh, even uh, Coach Rick. We kind of help him out, and uh, we have a scheme. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to do against Jacksonville, <laughs> but uh, we have a scheme against their DBs, and uh, it's it's a great addition to have coaches that you can help coach and help them be better coaches. Right. Oh, that, I mean, having that staff is huge. And I think just reciprocating the knowledge back to you as well, it has to be huge too. And good, good thing you're not sharing that game plan because Jim, (laughs) Jim right here being uh, the unofficial inside party that he is. Yeah. I see him. He's quiet. I hear, I can see him over there being quiet. Yeah. 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 Trying to stay away from acknowledging that little uh, feud in Florida between you two, but you know, it is what it is. It's a fun little week we're having ahead. Yeah, I'm looking forward part to it. Part one of two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two, two of three, I guess. Could be three. Point. Could be three if yeah. uh, things go well. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of such rivalry, uh, Orlando has had a history of winning traditions dating back to its beginnings in the in the original AFL. How hard is it for you as a coach to take over a team that's been the, the, the depths of the NAL, the stars of the franchise, for you – who's been used to playing Orlando when they're 12 and four, right. 13 and three deep playoff runs. And now you're taking over an organization that hasn't seen that highlights in a long time. Mm-hmm. How is that building in Orlando? How's that changing the culture or the narrative to get Orlando back to where they used to be in their heyday? That's a good question, Jim. What, what I, what I wanted to do, from the beginning, whenever uh, John Cheney and Nate Sterling Jr. hired me as their head coach, the first thing I told them is that uh, you guys got to trust the process. You got to trust the process that I'm about to put my coaches through and my players through. It's going to it's going to take a minute, but uh, it's all started to me uh, with the mindset. You got to believe that you can win. 
I had to get a couple of cancers out of my locker room, and which I did, and, uh, and that that's where it started. And once we start believing, and I, it's a team, as you guys know, it's a team sport. Uh, these guys, I think the last couple of years, this organization came in almost, if not last place, next to last. So just coming in, I knew that I needed to surround myself with like-minded people, uh, both coaches and players. And right now, even when we were one in four, one in three, one in five, I knew back in the back of my head that we're, we're about to turn around and we added some pieces uh, to this puzzle. And uh, we're still adding as we, as we speak. And I, I tell y'all this, we will get the organization back to where it is or where it was and beyond that. I think that's something that has been a big conversation because I'll tell you, if there's one thing me and Jim have loved seeing since we even started this show, um, and even before you have it joined on as head coach, the Preds fan base has come back or it is coming back year over year, which is, it's incredible to see. And now we're just talking. Now you see the performance and the play and the winds start rallying up. Just imagine where the possibilities are going with that. I mean, we're talking that this op the home opener, and this is because we follow the other leagues, the home opener for the Preds drew and challenged a XFL team in the same city Correct. on the same weekend. Correct. That's wild to me. Well, 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 Zach, we have, I think, uh, other than Jacksonville, uh, probably the best fan club. Uh, fan base people. I know people from 1991 that are still going to the games. They they still know me. Uh, I've got a little gray now, but but they they still remember me, and I remember them. And now we're going after the new generation of the people because here in Orlando, people change every three years. So mm -hmm. we're going after the young crowd. But I tell you what helps: winning helps. Winning cures everything, as they say, right? Bingo. Winning helps. <laughs> Winning helps a lot. And, and I, like I said, guys, we, we have a long way to go. Uh, I told uh, Mr. John Chaney and Nate Starlings Jr. that uh, I'm going to do whatever I can to get this organization back to where it, where it needs to be. And, and once we do that as a franchise, it's going to do nothing but help the NAL. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, also makes the rivalry between us and Jack and the Sharks even better. So just well, I, I tell you what, I Jacksonville, when we went up there earlier this year, uh, the fans up there, they're, I love them. Uh, they gave me a hard time, but I love them. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> what we do. That's what we do up in Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah that, what do y'all call it? Duval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about right. Yeah. But I think Orlando people was like, stop, coach. I'll say that. Yeah, I know. I know. As a Jacksonville re resident, that saying does get kind of annoying, especially during the NFL season. It's like, yeah, I get it. We, we, we get it. We know. All right. All Let's right, go right. to the next step. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I, Co Coach, um, you did talk a bit on the QB situation, at least in some of the talents you got there. Um, if you like to elaborate, because, I mean, it's been – been a little bit of a wild ride for kind of the QB choices, whether it was one way or another having to swap in and out. Um, seems like now you got you talked about the quick trigger of Southwick, savvy vet he is, and now you got Rakeem Cato. Uh, I mean, how do you value how do you evaluate your current QB room given those two well, and what you've gone through this year? 
Well, I tell you what, at the beginning of the year, we, we, we signed a young kid that played, had indoor experience, but I knew in the back of my mind, he wasn't going to be the answer. Uh, then uh, Albany had a young man by the name of Joseph Hess. Mm -hmm. Came in, he did wonderful force uh, up in um, up in uh, Jacksonville uh, when we won that game. And then after that, he's a rookie, okay? So he was making rookie mistakes. Uh, and then we were able to uh, get a young man by the name of Jonathan Bain. Uh, and of course, you know, we can talk about that later, but uh, after that incident happened, uh, we, we brought in Southwick and then a couple of weeks later, Fedville did what they did, and uh, we had an opportunity to get a young man by the name of Cato, who was here with them a year ago. Um, and I didn't understand why he was gone until the coaches kind of explained to me why he left. But uh, he's mm -hmm. back, and the, our current QB situations, I can uh, I can look at Coach Ware now and say, hey, man, I, I, I have a good feeling about our QBs right about now. But uh, about three weeks ago, uh, prior to uh, Bain getting here, I looked at Ware and I said, "Hey, man, I got, I got concerns." And he knew it, and I knew it, and so we had to simplify the game a lot. But now we have veterans. Uh, now we can do more on offense, uh, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, we have a lot of weapons, and we're looking forward to showing it. You got. That's, I wanted to send you a message earlier a couple of weeks ago when you sign the savvy veteran that is Danny Southwick. The guy's resume is scroll-like. It's ridiculous how long it is. Since he came back into the NAL, I, I mentioned on the show with Zach that Orlando doesn't need a quarterback to go out there to win them the game. You need a quarterback that knows where to put the ball at the right place. Danny's came, came in the last two weeks, and he's done exactly that. And your team has quite hand, handled both opponents since he's been at the helm. What's this version of Danny Southwick like compared to the maybe past versions that you've seen of him before? Well, Jim, like you said, he's savvy. I mean, uh, we, we, you know, we, we don't have to. Uh, I don't need a quarterback that can run. I just need a QB that can put the ball and – Darius Prince's hands, Caleb Wall's hands, and CJ, and let them do what they do. Uh, and so the difference is I have a trigger guy that knows the game. Mm -hmm. He's been around. He's smart. Uh, and he loves the game. I mean, even in practice, he, he he's enthusiastic. He, he knows uh, the offense is running a lot smoother. And it all comes with just knowing, you guys know, arena football is not rocket science at all. Yeah. And you just need to put the ball where it's supposed to because there's only so many defenses you can run. That's why there's so many points allowed and scored mm -hmm. uh, in this type of game because there's only so many defenses you can run. And if you play man-to-man -man against my receivers, good luck. Got to be playing really good man to man. This is the deal, but I think like the trigger, the trigger. I think you talk about like that trigger happy, or at least I would say quick trigger. Like we talk about rookie QBs. Anytime we see him coming in these leagues, and I go, "All right, how fast is this guy? Is this guy's brain?" Because we're either going to see a dude that wants to play hero ball after like two seconds, yeah, or it's going to be he rushes every throw 
hits it into the turf or maybe throws it behind. And we've seen all that this year. I mean, you played again, like we, for example, you played Albany back in week 10 and I've seen Roland Rivers in the USFL. I think he's a solid QB or has the talent, but definitely was someone that I'm going, this guy is not ready for that no, fast pace no, and no. needs way more time. Correct. And, and, you know, he's a good quarterback, but this game is totally different. This is why I, I tell people, uh, listen, indoor football takes a special type of athlete, a special type of quarterback, a special type of receiver, DB, lineman. Uh, I know, you know, we kind of joked a little bit about it, Jim, where you were, you know, your specialist was defensive end, but you couldn't catch. But in this league, I, I guarantee you there will be some coaches that will pull you to the side and say, hey, look, we're going to catch 50 balls. You're going to catch them. And then once the game starts, you'll be so used to it. But that's why they call it Ironman football. It's so the beauty of the game for for it. It's a great and it's one of the best ways I think to highlight an all around true athlete, especially is that that specific skill set of being able to go back and forth, old school football as it used yes. to be. Yeah. Yes. You know, and that's from coming from someone that just recently visited Canton to reestablish that it's it's been a long time in the NFL since we've seen an Iron Man, but it's kind of nice to see it back in arena at least as its yes. own thing. Yes. Uh, Coach, I I know I. I hate to revisit this week in a way, but I just thought this was one of the most powerful moments I've seen in the league this season was uh, I think the ending of uh, your contest with Albany in week 10. Um, circumstances at the end, um, I would say a little hairy, a lot of uncertainty. You know, obviously Jonathan Bain is doing well now, but at that time, a lot of us were kind of hanging in the air there. Um, and we saw you on, you know, broadcast shows you on camera and uniting both teams to kind of go behind one cause here and I think come together to support one united, I think, front in terms of Bain's health at that time. Can you take us through kind of that end sequence of that contest and where Absolutely. you were at that time? Absolutely. Uh, it, it backs up to the Albany, Orlando, uh, when everything happened up there and, and we – or able and fortunate to have four players from that organization. There was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, tense up anger on uh, on that team up in Albany, and uh, I believe they had nine personal files. Orlando had zero. Well, when uh, when that happened to to, to JB Jonathan Bain, uh, when I ran out there and. I never forget what he said to me. He says, coach, let me get up. I'm going to be all right. I says, I know you're going to be okay. I said, but let's just listen to what they're telling you to do. Um, once they rolled him out, uh, I talked with uh, Aaron, uh, the head referee that night. And I said, sir, is there in any way possible we can just stop this game? It was nine minutes and 15 seconds left. Mm -hmm. He says, no, we can't, but we'll we'll make the clock run. So I, I went to Coach Ware and I said, Coach, we're just running the ball. We're not throwing anymore. We're just going to run the ball. So we ran the clock out. Toward the end of the game, uh, prior to the end of the game, uh, Nate Sterling's Jr. pulled me to the side and he prayed for me uh, behind the scenes. When he got done uh, praying for me, I went back out and uh, 
the game was almost over. And then John Cheney says, here's the mic. And he gave me the mic and I was like, wow, okay. Well, what I wanted at that time was everyone, the Predators players, the Albany players to come together. And then I asked the crowd, I said, if you all could just, we just witnessed something that, that is, it could be bad, but I believe in the power of prayer. And I'm just going to ask all of you to come together, stretch forth your right hand toward the field. And Zach and Jim, what happened that next few minutes was amazing. I'm looking at the Predators and the, the Empire players hugging. I'm looking at the stands. Everyone, you, you can hear a pin drop. And there was a prayer, and I just said, you know, I believe in the healer. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he will take care of not only Jonathan Bain, but he'll be up walking again. I just believe that. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says where two or three are gathered, and they believe he's there in the midst. So we all came into agreement. And next thing you know, everybody's saying amen, amen, and amen. And I kind of walked off the field like, I want to make sure John's all right. And and, um, and it, just last week, I saw him again. He's standing up. And it was just amazing, Zach and, and Jim. It was just amazing. And it, it was just a moment where uh, I believe that we as human beings, when we come together, we're, we're, we are a powerful force. Yeah. It, it put us, I mean, I, I was blown, we were both blown away by that, that whole moment in time. And I, I think just anytime we, me and Jim have seen, when we see Jonathan on screen, um, you know, giving the thumbs up to the crowd, getting that shot and just seeing people kind of being, just happy to see him up and about at those yes, games. Um, it, it's it's a wonderful feeling, you know, and the fact that we can hope and see that this young man gets to continue on with maybe athletic career, you know, getting to still live a normal life and all that. Yes, and we yes. had that certainty, you know, solved from that week after a tense game that that was up mm -hmm. until that those final moments that it's uh, it's definitely one of the uh, it's one of the points in the season I will not forget more for the. I think the positive aftermath of that situation Amen. Amen. Uh, for the most part. Yes. Amen. I tell you, I tell you guys this, uh, as I think you guys know, I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher. Uh, I've been preaching since 2003. Uh, you can ask my players and coaches. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that football is sort of like life. You get knocked down, but you have to get up. Uh, and sometimes you, you win. And sometimes you lose. And here's one thing, Zach and Jim, I know you guys know. You find out who your real friends are when you're losing, don't you? <laughs> yes, we do. That's <laughs> true. And, uh, but that's why I, 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 if there's a saying that I would say for 2023 for the Orlando Predators uh, organization, and I would say for this world, uh, trust the process. Whatever path God has you to go down, just trust it. And it's bigger than football. And, and I 
relate that to my coaches and players. And hopefully I'm, I'm relating it to the league that just trust the process. Whatever path God has you to go down, just trust it and everything will be okay. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen to that indeed. Uh, Coach, want to definitely before we let you go, I will get you the, we'll get you the full thoughts on this because you are, again, playing the Sharks. It's second matchup of you know three of total of the year. Um, different circumstances for both your sides. You know, you brought up in the brought up in the brought up as we're talking uh, a very talented QB over in Jacksonville, one that you might think gets some accolades at the end of the season. Uh, how do you evaluate the Sharks right now compared to maybe you, your first time? I tell you right now, they got Castanola. That's all I'm going to tell you. That they have him. He's right now to me. He is the MVP of the league. Uh, we have a great challenge that's going to be ahead of us these next two weeks, if you know what I mean, possible three. Uh, and we're going to have to come out and really, uh, you know, see where he's at uh, because he's going to he's going to put points up. But we have to really uh, get the heat on him. They have great receivers. Solomon is doing very well for them. Uh, their defense is solid. And once again, I believe that Coach Gibson is doing a wonderful job up there for that organization. Uh, when I first uh, got the job, he you know, shook my hand. He says, congratulations, you're going to do great for this league. And we're in it uh, both uh, for the long term, for the NAL. But this is going to be, if you, if you, if you want to see an old school rivalry game, Saturday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time in the jungle, baby. Come check us out playing them <laughs> sharks. <laughs> I'll be there. I know that for sure. I know you will, man. <laughs> You'll hear him too. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. Probably, maybe. Might. <laughs> oh, you go. Oh, I know you. you. He'll hear you. He might, but he's got other priorities on the turf to worry about. Yes. <laughs> one of my back. priorities is go get meet Bane. That's one of my priorities. So. Oh, yeah. Well, let's try to make that happen, man. Let's try to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Let's try to make hey. that happen. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll send my regards from, from out in the desert for that. But I, I will look forward to watching that on, on screen. Um, and anyone watching this right now, I, it is the game of the week for a reason. It's two high-powered teams. A great, I think a great rivalry that is continuing to kindle up more so since the Preds have come in to play. And both sides have had their, fun, have had their games and their shots at each other. So it's, mm-hmm. it is truly, you know, anything goes with these contests, you know. <laughs> Our guy, and you know, last one got a lick in. I think anything's possible for this contest, and we can't wait to see how you guys you guys play in the jungle. And it's in the jungle; it's just a fun atmosphere to watch on TV or to be in person. Probably more so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I look forward to it. It's going to be a great game. I uh, one thing I do pray for that both teams will come out healthy. Uh, I believe they're they're bringing like two or three buses down. I pray for tra- safe travels for them, and we just want to have a, a good time in the jungle. and And this game is going to be great for the NAL. I believe that uh, Chris Zigfrey is doing a good job. I know he's been challenged a lot. But you know what? He's doing a good job. We're still uh, taking this to the next level, and I just look forward to this game. Can't wait to watch you, watch you guys and your crew battle on the turf. Uh, Herky, thank you, Coach Walls, to be more proper. Don't want to be thank rude. You. Thank, you so right. right. thank you so much. Thank you so much for y'all. joining. Seriously, cannot thank you enough. Uh, looking forward to 
maybe next time we get the chance to discuss further down the line and to see where the NAL goes as we all three of us are all, I think we're all in the same boat, just wanting to grow the league and grow yes, out sir. the sport. Well, well, Zach and Jim, thank y'all once again for inviting me on your show. Uh, you guys are doing a wonderful job, and we want to thank you all uh, from the Orlando Predators organization. Uh, we thank y'all for all y'all doing for this league, and uh, all I got to say is trust the process. Trust the process. Yeah. Let's go. I got a vision I see in my head, a melody buried deep into my soul. They call us crazy, we cutting the edge, unlocking the future and letting it go. This is a calling that's higher the time we decided our stories are gonna be told. This is where legends are born, we paving the road, a future that favors the bone. Break the rules, break the laws, this is the moment we change it all. Break the rules, break the laws, this is the moment we change it all. Yeah, greatness, yeah it feels like greatness. Woo! Greatness, yeah, it feels like greatness. Legendary in the making. Reach out and we take it. Not to emerge, we on the verge, and it feels like yeah. greatness. Hey, thanks again to head coach Herky Walls for joining us on the program for our interview this week. Again, really, really awesome. I love the conversation. Um, and again, I know it's a tough question to ask about with that week 10 incident. Uh, of course, but the way he responded again, I just cannot stress enough. That really was such a powerful, like sports moment, like a, just like camaraderie type of moment that amplifies kind of like the, some of the beauties of like football and the companionship you get out of the game. I, I couldn't pass up the chance to ask, even though I know it is one of the harder memories of this season, but yeah. we are seeing it's been a positivity toward ever since that ever since then, Stemming, I think, from, as we mentioned, that kind of prayer circle getting together and kind of moving on from a very chippy game at that time. And it's been a good year for him just showing his leadership in that way and many others beyond that, as we've seen. It was a very chippy game. A lot of stuff happened before it, especially the week building up to it. And then what happened to Bain? And Herky Walls and stepped in and became the leader, basically, of the Orlando organization. And what he did was, well, he got everyone focused. As you see, heard on the interview, he was he's a minister, pastor. So he has experience of talking to a large crowd of people. And I think he was just the right place at the right time for him to do that. And... Luckily, the man above has given Bain some great, um, actually, progress. He's now standing. Uh, he will be in Orlando on Saturday. So that's always good because when we think of injuries in football, a lot of people remember what happened to Hamlin in Buffalo. Yeah. On, and that's on that Monday night game against Cincinnati. So everything – like. You hear people say it's bigger than football. There's some things bigger than football. That was one thing. And Herky just, I think he was the right man at the right time for that moment. And sometimes God blesses you with many things. And he's blessed just not the Orlando organization, but Jonathan Bain and gave Herky the platform to do so at that time. So, fair. Guarantee you the family in Bain is very grateful for that moment too, as well, especially how intense 
and heighten everything was at that moment and when that thing happened. So, yeah. 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 Good. Really a great way to kind of, you know, put every, again, everyone put together and, you know, power, I think powerful voice he, that Herky is and, mm-hmm. you know, just getting to hear a bit of how he's been changing some of the items in Orlando. And, you know, he said, you know, I think great statement from him, just kind of similar vein as we know about with Jason Gibson. You know, he's much in that vein of he's in for the long haul. He believes in the NAL brand. He believes in the NAL game, the arena game. You know, again, the game he played in, you know, the Nets, the Iron Man setup. He mm-hmm. loves this, you know. So this is the coach you want in this sport. I know there were some people when he got hired on that did not add a lot of questions. And you know what? I think in terms of the leadership and what he brings to that organization and the fan base, mm-hmm. It, it has been it has paid off in droves this yeah. season. So I think he was the right hire. I said it at the time. I still believe that, and he's shown it off. And we're glad that we have an we have an AFL legend in the NAL that is pushing that brand and wants this brand to thrive, mm-hmm. and is for that and is for pushing it towards becoming at least something similar, or at least on the path back to what he has remembered it back in the day. So. That is awesome. Like that part of the interview was fantastic. I love everything about it. He is, uh, he, he was a joy. Like I said, one of, one of the, one of my favorite conversations this season. I did. And one of the comments I, well, I met, asked him about getting the Predators back to what they were in the heyday. A lot of people remember that place. 20 some thousand packed back in the day. That was an arena. You didn't want to go play in, especially, late July and August when the playoffs are happening. Uh, so it's an area right, right now, not so much. It's not the old jungle, but when the jungle is rocking, it has 10,000 plus there and, and the building's tough. And he has, in my opinion, is a coach that's building that culture back in Orlando because he played there in its heyday. So he knows what the jungle can get to. Oh, yeah. He knows what Preds fans And he's talking – well, it's funny too because he's talking about a bunch of the guys that – are returning Preds fans, you know, mm-hmm. like, like this, like we're talking like the greens and the Morrises of the world that, you know, have stuck with this through and through since the beginning. So yeah. it's, he's was amazed as well. Talking about people that he used to, you know, be rooted for as a player. Now he's their coach. Correct. So really cool stuff. Glad we got a conversation. And uh, now you'll get to see if we uh, picked his team to get the W this weekend it is his time for our week. 14 NAL pick them uh, looking out of the scores below. I did take a split decision last week. So I, uh, I get bar, I get part of my slim lead over Jim cut down slightly. Um, both of us hitting 20 wins, pretty competitive or very competitive this season between you and I um, getting these picks. So love to see this coming down the wire, just like the standings. Mm-hmm. I would not want it any other way. Um, and we'll see if uh, you and I are going to make a split decision or if we'll uh, rise or fall together. Shall we? Let's kick it off. Uh, Cobras, West Texas Warbirds. Remember, Cobras are traveling second game in a row. Fourth game overall, these two have played each other. Going back to Ector County, Morona Coliseum. And big questions are, for me, can you see the Warbirds finish with a clean, close-to-perfect game? There's never a perfect game, but there is a close-to-perfect game you can try and achieve. I don't know if that is the case. That That's my only thing is, can your offense get out of the way? I don't think it will. I think the Cobras are going to keep using 
using that energy they established from last week, they're going to keep rallying the troops at the right time, stay within striking distance, totally pun intended, of the Sharks and the Gunslingers. And I got the Cobras taking the win over in West Texas. West Texas, though, trust me, it's going to be, it'll be close. It'll be one possession, or they're going to at least put up a pretty good effort wise, given that they have, they have been in pretty much in every game this year, especially second half of the season with some of the additions they've had. Remember, they got Walter Thomas, by the way. Mm-hmm. from uh they just got signed on so great defensive piece they'll add former cobra himself former mustang um i just think carolina is going to take it um they'll probably cap i think they'll capitalize on one one stop one pick maybe a fumble um and ice it away or maybe just kind of keep at bay during the course of this time of this contest i think west texas is going to when they start the game that pre-game get together they have the orlando game on their tv they're going to see what's going on in orlando and get juvenized and excited that their season can still be there they can still grab the playoff berth um but unfortunately caroline's at another level right now i think they right they keep the pressure on jacksonville keep the pressure on san antonio as well for a pivotal two-game series against the Gunslingers coming up as well. Uh, I think Carolina wins this game not like they did a couple of weeks ago. You're going to see kind of a deja vu of what happened last week in Edgar County Coliseum out in Odessa. Uh, I'm going to say 55 to 51, I think is that close to the game. Okay. So I, I buy that for a dollar. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, RoboCop references. Yes, Who cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I knew where you get that from. I buy that for a deuce. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Two dollars, man. That's inflation now. And I don't. Mm. I don't know. Oh man, we inflating the deuce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need a little more cheddar. Two two points doesn't cut it these days. <laughs> Can you sneak it up for three? We'll make, the field, we'll make field goals four, and the rest of it will just leave the same. Counterbalances itself. Anyway, we got a game of the week to go go on. What are we doing? What, what is it? What is this? Uh, deuce humor? The quattro. <laughs> the quattro. Oh, wow. We got the quattro, baby. Yeah. <laughs> two That's two. not going to happen, no. Someone's going to say no. that Jim and Zach said there's a new kicking rule. No. No, we, we might jump the shark if we, if we see the quattro. <laughs> I, I might have some words. Be like, hey, now. We don't need four points for one of these kicks. No. <laughs> Slow down. Anyway, game of the week, Sharks spreads matchup number two overall. First of a two-game series between these two. It's like I'm talking baseball terms, but, hey, here we are. Uh, Sharks, again, going to the jungle this time. Remember last time, upset victory for the Preds. However, both teams completely different. Or I would Well, not completely different, but very much different rosters and structure going into this one than what we saw earlier in the year, uh, especially the Sharks in particular, different QB scenario than during that game to even consider as well. Uh, I like the Preds. I like the veteran talent. I think it's come together well right now. My question is, you know, do you do I think that this defense has enough in the tank to slow down Sam Castronova, who is playing even better than last year somehow? That That's what's amazing to me. It's, it's somehow even better than the year prior with that. And do you think that Danny Southwick gets enough time to not be under duress from the Sharks' front f- front f- three 
or front four if you want to count the Mac count the Mac linebacker as well. I don't know. I, I I'm not. I am going to be skeptic about that. I think overall talent wise, I got to lean on with this. I'm going to take the Sharks, but I'm telling you, man, it's going to come down to like the buzzer. I got the Sharks winning within the final minute. They're going to ice out the clock and get a touchdown, but it's going to be definitely a defensive stand or goal line decision that will make or break this one in the jungle. I just feel it's going to go that way. These teams are too talented on both sides to not to see a blowout, but I could be wrong. I I think that it's more likely last possession type of contest, which is my favorite type of arena football contest, but I'm taking the Sharks. This game is going to be one of the most marquee matchups of the season. I think both offenses will be very explosive. There's going to be very few mistakes in this game. This is going to be one of the cleanest games, I think, of the year for the whole season. Nice. For that matter, it's a rivalry. 61-60, final score, Sharks with the win. Little payback from the sixty-one sixty loss from week four. Mm. Uh, so serious tie going back to Jacksonville for week three. I think this is going to be a, a very exciting game. You're have you're going to see both Solomon and Darius Prince go off. And honestly, you can honestly say this: if Sam has another one of his performances like he's had with perfection, only five five six touchdowns, no interceptions, he could solidify himself as the MVP if he does that again in this game on the road in a very big matchup. Will I be surprised if Orlando wins this game? No, I won't. They have a very good team, and Orlando will be that four, possibly three, seed you do not want to face on an off day in the first round of the playoffs. No, sir. No, sir. I'm telling you though, it is going to be a blast. It is going to be a blast. Uh, mm-hmm. I, that's one that I. No matter what, like, not this is an offense to anyone that's watching that West Texas game. I have, I will have the the Sharks Preds up on my primary screen, mm-hmm. one way or another. It, in, unless that one goes into a tailspin for some reason, which again, I don't think so. That will be my main one on the screen, and I will very much do my best to keep tabs on the other one and i will still give you we will still give you good coverage but you know you me ralph maybe phil depending on how all this goes with our schedules Mm -hmm. we'll be jumping on and having a good old chat around the folks that hopefully donnie's back i wonder if donnie because donnie wasn't in this week so i was really missing the right you are donnie conversation good good commentary Mm -hmm. from the crew but, you know, it's not a Preds broadcast without hearing that iconic phrase go across the mic at least two to three times a game, minimum. Yeah, if Donnie's back, the over-under is going to be set this week at 25 and a half. So someone keep track. If not, I'll do it when I rewatch the game. Otherwise, Probably. you and I need to be uh, more on top of uh, answering trivia questions. Yeah. We'll do that. <laughs> Last week when someone mentioned about BMW's uh, acronym, and I was watching the replay. I'm like, but it's Bavaria Motorworks. It's Bavaria Motorworks. And I'm like waiting. No one's getting it. Like, guys, it's Bavaria Motorworks. We got this live. I was doing a, I was doing a game in Canton, Ohio, though, for a different league. No, yeah. The trivia question is, well, interesting ones going around. But to close out the show, I want to say to the just the normal fans that go on these streams and look at the chats how the NEL community in Orlando and the NEL community in Carolina all came together 
and basically defended their own product against certain other individuals. Like right. that, that's, that's, you don't see that. And uh, well, you do see that in other streams, but it's not as relevant like it was in our NAL streams. Like we had total fan bases basically going, you know, dude, buzz off. We know who you are. Just leave, go, go, go leave. That's my respect to the, 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 the guy, the people who watch our game. Um, good. But also the trivias was awesome. I think they did a trivia question. No, they did a suggestion about some type of like foods. They, they, it's one thing about Orlando's commentary. They'll go from a trivia question to the top five dishes to eat uh, at an Italian restaurant or they, beer. they love the tune in audience. Like that, that's yeah. what I always like is they'll, they'll acknowledge, or at least they're, they play theirs different where they acknowledge the tune in audience. Mm-hmm. And I think there's preference to everyone, you yes. know, like for example, our buddy Ralph, I respect how they just, it's full on watch the broadcast play out focus on that but then you see like you get that variety where the you know guys in orlando they'll call the game mm-hmm. but then in the middle of it they'll go hey what's everybody talking about yeah. let's let's talk about these like you'll hear gummy bear who i think is like the most mentioned guy on those broadcasts i'm like hey gummy bears getting a lot of <laughs> getting a lot of positivity from these guys good for him i think we might have to change our name to tic tacs so we can get Tic-tacs? more attention on the on the on the you just chat want, just want to start calling just want to start calling ourselves candy yeah. I'll call myself, uh, I'll go by my favorite candy. I'll call myself Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> What's your no. favorite candy, Jim? Uh, Come on. Reese's. Your alias. Reese's. Oh, your Reese's. I'm Reese's. <laughs> your Reese's, okay. No no wrong way to eat a Reese's. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Just don't eat the wrapper. <laughs> no, no. I've done that before on accident, but no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, Halloween yeah. about five years ago, six years ago. Maybe longer. Slow down, that. man. The candy's still going to be there. Uh, I needed that, that that urge of energy. To With be fair, I have also done that too. So See? <laughs> you're not alone. Hey. It's long. it's like I know fans are like hey, here's Jim and Zach talking about food at the end of the show. It's like the Halloween you can you think it's like gummy bears or like that soft candy and you go bite into it and you feel like you just destroyed a tooth and you had to go get a filler? Yeah. Because it's a hard candy? Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> You're darn right. Oh, look. Right, man. Oh, no. Yeah, gotta go to the oh, desk. Oh, my tooth cracked. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think it's about going to do it. <laughs> Enough of this candy talk. We'll, yeah. we'll maybe, maybe bring it up and have a good laugh on the Pred stream. We'll throw that up. Maybe I'll change my YouTube name to Snickers. I probably will, I, I'll probably ask uh, Bane what his favorite candy is. Yeah, well, you'll be in. You'll be on there. Actually, what am I kidding? You might not even be on the Discord at all. You'll be. You'll be at the game. I probably will. I guarantee they have Wi-Fi in the building. Well, I know they do. I'm just saying. Headsets. You got you got all those loud Preds fans. You got the Sharks fans in the building. They're going to be chirping at each other a little bit. True. Be friendly, fans. By the way, let's let me let's end let's end the show that yeah. way. Don't don't go at each other's throats. You guys are you guys should be chill. Sure. Just being honest, but you know, it'll be, it'll be intense, it'll be intense in there. It's going to be a fun trip. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, that'll about do it. Everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week here. It was a one, it was a one, uh, 17 there. NAL rebound week 14 edition. Stay tuned for that. Be sticking around. Game day. You're looking at- Game. Hmm? <laughs> he said week 14 rebounds. Like, Wait a minute. That's next week. This yeah, game- that's what I'm previewing. Oh, see, me not paying I was attention. Like, what you, I'm not, that's why I slowed down. I'm like, what are you? 
I, I'm not. We're leaving this in because I'm definitely like, what are you looking at me for? <laughs> Sorry. Guess what? I just made the. You just made the list. I'm gonna use that one in a minute. No, I have had. Literally, we can have a TikTok with just Jim just having gaffes. This episode's full of it. The whole freaking episode. Geesh. If we get a little more time off season wise, we should just put something together of just bloopers or what we think are just oopsies, if you will. Yeah. This is the end of the show, though. So tune in next week. NAL Rebound Week 14 Edition. Stay tuned for that. We'll see you on that show. Remember one thing, though. Don't can't calf this one. Don't be a jack out of the box. You did it. <laughs> a plus. You get a gold star. Catch yeah. you next week, everybody. Enjoy the weekend's games. Jim will see you guys in Orlando. I will be on stream. <laughs> Until next one, everyone. I got a vision I see in my head, a melody buried deep into my soul. They call us crazy, we cutting the edge, unlocking the future and letting it go. This is a calling that's higher the time we decided our stories are gonna be told. This is what legends are born, we paving the road, a future that favors the foe. Break the rules, break the laws, this is the moment we change it all. Break the rules, break the laws, this is the moment we change it all. Yeah, greatness, yeah, it feels like greatness. Woo! Greatness, yeah, it feels like greatness. Legendary in the making. Reach out and we take it. Not to emerge, we on the verge, and it feels like yeah. greatness. Something coming, I can... Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier.